Welcome to On Demand, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with us today. Today we talk about the mind, people, what's going on up here in your head. Now there are a lot of things that can go wrong in your life and a lot of it starts with how you think. I always say this, change the way you think, you change the way you feel. You change the way you live, you change the way you make decisions. It's all about getting your mind right. So Paul said, put on the whole armor of God and one thing he said, put on is the helmet of salvation. Get your head right, it's gonna be great. So stay right there, enjoy today's message. I'll be right back to pray with you at the end, so enjoy. Welcome back, I'm glad you're with me. I'm so honored that you're with me today. This study has been fun for me and I hope you're ready to talk about it. It's all about truth. For the last several weeks, we've been talking about one word, truth. The focus of it is in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. It's so hard to be an honest person sometimes. It's hard to look at something and say, I'm good at this, I'm bad at that, I made this mistake. It's difficult sometimes to tell the truth. It's easy to lie. We've all lied. We all, if we're not careful, lie still. Uh, we, we don't even want to admit sometimes that we're fearful. I watch this, this whole, I'm not afraid things that Christians say now all the time, like they're super Christians who fly over mountains like Superman. But in reality, when you get zooming close, you see a lot of fear, a lot of fear in pastors, a lot of fear in all of us. And we have to learn how to manage it and fight for it. And I know you know all the verses, you know, God hasn't given me the spirit of fear. Okay, that's good. I understand that, but we still fight it. And learning how to be truthful about our fight is how we win the fight. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I want to take you to a text that says something that's very simple but very profound. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I, start, I started with that verse and our study, and I talked about the truth about your strength. And what I said was, let's tell the truth about how strong you are. Let's be honest about it. Because Paul wanted to make sure we were all clear that we were designed to be enabled people. That's what strength means there. The idea of being a person who has the ability to do something. God wants you to be a personally strong individual, not relying on the church you go to, the pastor you know, or your family or your mother or your father. You need to learn to be strong yourself. So he said, first of all, be strong in the Lord. That's the first thing he says. Then he goes on and says this, put on the whole armor of God, the that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The second thing he says is, you need to become a fully dressed person. Now you gotta imagine, Paul's in prison, right? He looks up and sees a soldier and he paints this visual picture of what a Christian should be. And he uses the, the soldier as a model, the soldier's strong, right? And then he says, the soldier has an armor on and we need to become fully dressed, fully, completely dressed. That should be our intent. So he said, put on the whole armor of God Here's why, that you may be able to stand. The whole goal of you being dressed is so you would be able. You know, you gotta, you gotta realize this. This is about you. This is not about me. This is not about your church. This is not about, this is about you. Churches somehow communicate in a corporate context. In other words, they make it sound like everything is about we. No, 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 you. You're the one broke. You're the one sick. You're the one out of shape. You're the one that don't like what you see in the mirror. You're the one, you. So you have to understand, the goal is for you to put the whole armor on so that you will be able to stand. Now it's when you stand and I stand and we get together, we're stronger together, I get that. But there's something powerful about you taking ownership of your life. He said, you put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For he says this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickednesses in heavenly places. That's all true. The fight is not just a physical fight. We're fighting against an enemy that's not physical. Verse, verse 13 says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Just good, strong stuff about standing, being strong. That's what Paul wants you to focus on. The truth is, if you don't focus on this in your life, you will be the victim. If you as a student don't focus on being a strong student, strong with your money, strong with your, your priorities, your values, all that stuff is for you. The only reason anything is a sin is because it hurts you. It hurts you, it harms you, it hurts your neighbor. That's what makes it a sin. It's bad for you. And so now he turns in verse 14 and he begins to tell them how to dress. Remember, put on the whole armor. Here's how you do it. Verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. The first thing he says to put on is truth. Be transparent. And I did a whole sermon on that. I did a sermon on being strong and I talked about being transparent and I asked you the question, are you an honest person? Are you truthful? Do people really get what they see? Are you fake? Or are you phony? That's a big word, right? Fake and phony. You look the part, but you're not the part. Then I went on and, and, and I talked about the breastplate of righteousness because he looked at the soldiers, saw a breastplate and said, you got to be committed to doing what's right. The core of your being, you want to do what's right. And no one can force you to do that. Then I talked about a sermon in verse 15 about being prepared. He said, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, you got to be prepared. You got to be a prepared person. And I ask you, were you, why, aren't you, why weren't you prepared for this season of your life? Why, why is it that when you had this financial challenge, you were not ready for it? Why? I mean, you always heard rainy days were coming. So why didn't you have any savings? The issue of being prepared is important. All of us, all of us have failed in this area. But being honest enough to say, I need to value preparation. And I, and I think it's so powerful when you have that truthful moment, when you sit down with yourself and say, man, I did this. I did this. And I shared this in one of our drive-in uh, services. I talked about the fact that there are things that I did. I, I mentioned my cleaning out my, my garage. And I did a closet, a couple of closets recently. And I thought, man, I can't believe I had all this stuff in here. I mean, just stuff, there's amazing amount of junk, paperwork. I, my office, I, had a, I have an office at home and it had all these books and I, you know, I just gave a lot of them away. I, I've read, look, I, they need to go. I'm not, I'm not going to read them again. I, it's, I, I still have an impressive list, trust me. But the point is, there's a point where you just, you're just hoarding stuff because you're so insecure that if you let this go, why don't you go sew it away? Look at your house, look at the clutter, give it away. Let somebody else be blessed by it. You did this. And then we talked about this. And it's that honest moment when you decide, you know what? I need to do what's right. I need to treat this person right. I need to fix my life. I need to do what's right. There's something about righteousness coming to the place where you want to do what's right. And then we talked about being prepared. And then we talked about being a person who lastly looks at three other final elements in the text. Here's what he says. Stand therefore having girded your face with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then he says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I want you to be confident. I want you to be a confident person who is, has faith. You're not walking in doubt and unbelief. You really believe in what you're doing. You believe in God's ability to bless your life. And then he goes on and says this. And then he says, take with you uh, and, and verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation. That's what we're going to talk today and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and praying always. So I want you to have faith. I want you to make sure that you have the helmet of salvation. Your thinking's right. And I want you to be a person who carries a sword. I want you to be able to defend yourself. 
I want you to be able to, to not, only, not only just pray, I want you to have the sword of the spirit. I want you to be a person who can spiritually fight and I want you to be a prayer warrior. So all that's good stuff, but I want to focus on one element of that today and that's the idea of the, your mind when he talked about the helmet of salvation. If you look with me and notice the importance of a helmet in any kind of conflict, especially back in those days, it was, even in today's battlefield, all the soldiers, when they go to battle, they wear helmets because there's certain parts of you uh, that are really important. This core is important and this head, this brain's important. If you get the brain wrong, if you get the mind wrong, a lot of things go wrong. And if we're honest, a lot of what's going on in our lives is tied to the way we think. This whole message that I've talked about, telling the truth, being honest and transparent, being a person who's prepared, being a person, all that I've said, if your mind doesn't get right, if you're not truthful about what's going on up here, which can be hidden, you're never going to get anywhere. It's all about being honest. I, and I really believe that we're not honest. I really believe that we are guilty of deceiving ourselves. We're guilty of deceiving others. And, and that's because, again, you can hide your thoughts. You can, you can hide behind uh, fake looks and phony expressions. And the truth will not be known. One of the greatest challenges for me is to say out loud what I'm thinking. And I make a practice of it. Because I realize that there's something about confessing my faults, the Bible says, one to another, that brings healing to my life. Even confessing it to myself. Temple, you're mad right now. Temple, you're out of control right now. And being honest about this. So I'm going to give you a list. And I want to I ask you a series of questions. I want you to think about this. Number one, are, are you thinking happy thoughts? If I were to go behind your, the veil of your mind, go behind the curtain, would I, would I hear or see happy thoughts? Number two, would I see angry thoughts? Are you mad with somebody? Are you, who, who do you want to fight? Who is it that you, you're holding a grudge against? When you sit in the silence of your life, you're thinking about them. Do I, are you thinking when I see worried thoughts, when I see a person who's worried about something? Let me tell you one of the greatest things in the world is to not be worried about something. For years, as a pastor, one of the tragedies of the job is you're worried every Sunday, did you receive enough money to make sure everything keeps going? That's a tragic life. Dear God, help us all. It's tragic to run a business and every day you're so worried about the bottom line that you can't enjoy being in business. It's a tragedy. And, and believe me, as it grows, it becomes more of a challenge. I think you have to be concerned about the money, but you want to put your money in a place where you don't have to check and wait to see at the end of the day what the offering was and to see whether you can pay all the bills you have and manage all the things you have. Worry is amazing. It, it, it plagues a lot of us, and, and it, shouldn't, it shouldn't. And I really believe one of the great gifts of God to me is a lot of my burdens have been laid down. Putting my life in order, managing the money right, getting things in perspective allows me to take that off the table completely and I don't have to think about it like that. You have to be responsible, still have to be concerned about it and manage it well, but it's not like I need to live week to week. That's a burden that's hard to live with. Are you thinking maybe regretful thoughts where you are deeply sorry about something in your life that you didn't do right or didn't, didn't do for somebody? Regret especially sometimes you see it in funerals, you see it in, uh, in the loss of loved one, regrets, living with those regrets. You did something wrong, you went to prison for it, and now you're out, but you still feel regretful when you see people that knew you and know what you did. 
Lastly, are you feeling depressing thoughts? Now, depression is an interesting thing. And I, what I want to do is put on, on, the, on the screen for you a definition by a guy named uh, Martin Manser who defined it this way. And I want to just, just make sure you just think this through. It's a real powerful definition. He says, depression is a deep sense of dis- despondency, a loss of hope, discouragement, and sadness, often linked with a sense of personal powerlessness and a loss of meaning and enthusiasm for life. Many biblical characters show evidence of such behavior, which, or, which origi- originates in a number of different ways. And I want to just highlight those, that definition and several of the key words that he said. I thought that the word um, despondency, the sense of no hope, is powerful to think about. What's it like to get up and feel as if you have no future at all? To have the sense of discouragement and sadness where every day is about what didn't go right and what was going wrong. I, I've noticed that a lot of Christian music sounds that way to me. It's, it's a lot of, some of them, not all of them, but some of them always have a message of, hold on, you're just about to make it. It's, a, it's, it's like you're always in something or coming out of something. There's a constant barrage of sadness, even sometimes in our music. And I'm not saying that you can't sing about going through trials and coming out and God will deliver you. I get that. But, but I think there's a, a heavy dose of it in the lives of people who are supposed to be victorious and free. And, and I said that when you, when you feel like that, it's hard to communicate hope. So if I were to really go behind the curtain in your mind, would I say a per, see a person who's basically feeling powerless? And that was another definition of, of depression. The feeling of, oh boy, I have no power. I have no, I have no sense of meaning, he says. Loss of meaning in a deep sense that somehow there's nothing to be happy about. Enthusiasm is, is, is infectious. It's infectious. And it's hard for you to communicate to, to the world that they need Jesus if you look like Jesus didn't change your life. Why would I want to come to God or why would I want to serve Christ? Remember, Jesus said it this way. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and then glorify your father. We're supposed to be the lights of the world set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're supposed to be people that are happy. So the question is, why aren't we? Why aren't we lifted? Well, I'm going to give you some reasons why I think that's true, why people are depressed. There's some three, three or four reasons, maybe five reasons I'll give you why I think some people are depressed. Number one, because of external circumstances. Now, if you download the sermon notes, I gave you a bunch of verses that go along with these, and you can read them on your own. But one of them is just external things that have nothing to do with you. Somebody else outside of you has um, caused something in your life, and that's why you're feeling the way you feel. That's why you're thinking the thoughts you're thinking, external sources. Number two, physical illness or exhaustion. The, the older I get, the more I realize my body's health affects the way I see life. If I, I'm not mobile, my arms hurt, my back hurt, I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not even trying to eat right. My physical well-being affects me. Some of you are depressed because you're physically depressed. Your body is, is, is complaining. Your body is saying, you're tired. Your body is saying, you're not feeding me the right food. Your body is saying, I don't like what you're doing to me. You're offending me. And so I'm going to offend you. It's crying out for help. You're lethargic. You're tired. You're hurting. Your knees hurt. Your knees say, you're carrying all this weight, all this weight on these knees. That's why I'm hurting. It's a, it's a load. My back, your back, can't, can't carry all this weight. 
And sometimes you have to realize, man, there's a moment when you have to say, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't eat all that. Maybe I need to pause here a little bit. Think about what I'm doing. Eat smaller portions. Go to the doctor and get checked. See what's wrong. Thirdly, sometimes it's because of fear of others. Sometimes we're depressed because you're afraid of others. <laughs> Man, living in this cycle of fear. What are the kids going to do now? What is my husband going to say now? And all of that causes you to feel depressed. And then fourthly, fear of failure. This idea that you're going to fail. The fear, the fear of some kind of um, catastrophic a mishap on your part, and it becomes part of how you see your life and how you see the world. And all that depresses you. Remember, put on the helmet of salvation, he says. Your mind, the word salvation means deliverance. Your mind needs to be delivered. You've got to find a way to get your mind in a, into a better place. And living in a depressed state where you feel like you're going to fail and you're afraid that you're going to commit some huge sin. That's another reason why people are depressed. Maybe, maybe it's time to say, let's, let's, let's stop the train for just a moment and get my mind into a better place. But I have to first tell the truth about these things. I have to tell the truth about the, the issues in my life that I see. I have to write them down. This, he's right about that. Again, get the sermon notes, download the sermon notes and, 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 and say, hey, you know, I, I, um, he's right. He's right. These are the list of things that outside sources, you know, fear of failure, all these things are true. So what can I do to respond to them? What I've started to do in my life is list the things truthfully, and then work on them, slowly. I told you this earlier, just, you know, cleaning out a closet. You know, I need to make sure, that, yeah, get, this, get this right. Come on, come on. You know, just go to take a nap. Let's, let's, let's slow down the train. Save some money. What, what are the things that keep you depressed? What are the things that keep you down? If you're a student in school, what depresses you is your grades. That's because you don't study right. The hours you invest, you spend too much time on the phone with your friends. It's when you don't invest properly that you don't have the results you want. And if you're tired of those results, you have to make some hard decisions. I want to close with one final thought. The truth about our mental distractions. There are seven things that occupy our thinking that I think Matthew chapter 6 describes as distractions. A lot of times you can, can't get your mind right because your mind is, is built and filled with distractions. And there are seven things that tend to distract us. Look what he said in Matthew chapter 6, now verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, which you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or, or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And there are two observations in that, two simple observations. The first thing we tend to get distracted by is our daily needs, daily issues. Our daily life distracts us. He said, don't worry about your life. If, if, you spend, if you spend a lot of time thinking about your life, I'm not, I'm not saying don't think about your life, but there's a difference between thinking about it, planning for it, and worrying about it. The second thing he says is daily provisions. You're worrying about where you're going to get what from. If you allow yourself to be overly concerned about that, you're going to always be worried because there's always going to be a need. If you're advancing in life, there's always going to be a bill, always going to be an expense, something's going to always break, something always needs to be washed, something always needs to be cleaned. It's coming to the place where you refuse to allow your mind to worry about it. You plan for it, 
you, you, you manage it, but you don't allow yourself to worry about it. The next thing he says is something interesting in verse 27, and this really shows up as you get older in verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Which brings to the third thing we worry about, the length of our life. Am I going to die? Well, if you're going to die, well, let me help you. We're all going to die. And you say, well, I don't, I don't think I'm going to live long. Well, you're alive now. You're alive now. Why don't you don't worry about that? Don't get too caught up in that. Your life, your daily life, worrying about those things. And I've learned that it will always, it will always be something. I, and, and some people are just professional worriers. Good number four. Fourth thing he says is we worry about what we're going to wear. <laughs> I think this is fascinating. Look at verse, verse 28. Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the leaders of the field grow. They do not labor or spend. Yes, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his, his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Now, if you're not a clothing person, I consider myself a person who likes clothes a lot. My mother kind of spoiled me that way. I like suits. I like ties. I like, I like, I do. I really do. I like, I love, I love it. But I've learned the danger of worrying about it. Worrying about how I look. Worrying about, worrying, some of you are overly consumed with clothes. You're worried about life. You're worried about clothes. You go from one thing to another. Then he says, if, if this becomes too important to you, it almost becomes the kingdom to you. If you can hear me now. If you worry so much about clothing, and then he finally mentions not only clothing, but eating, you know, in verse, verse, uh, the next verse, verse, uh, verse 31. He said, oh, you've little faith, verse 31. So do not worry what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. He puts it all together. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So again, it's, it's, if it's not what you wear, it's what you eat. And, and if you allow all of this to become what you think about, that becomes a kingdom to you. And listen to what he says now in verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all these will be given to you as well. I'm going to give you all this stuff. But what I need you to do is to not make it a kingdom, not make that your life priority, where everything in your life is centered around those things. If you're not careful, that's where your mind is, and that gets you in trouble. As a man thinks sometimes, he becomes. If you allow your life to be driven by this, this pushing into all of these areas of worry and concern and tossing you up and down and living in this cycle of constant, your children, and then it's not, if it's not the children, it's your food. If the food's not right, you didn't cook well enough. Or if it's not that, it's the bills, it's the water. It's always something. I have learned that no, this is a surprise to me, by the way, no level of success or economic accomplishment has removed worry from my life. No amount of money, no level of economic success, no number of members, no size of organization, no amount of travel. There's, I've never been able to escape worry just because I had one of those things. Because there's always something Tomorrow, which is the next thing we worry about, tomorrow to worry about. He says this in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
you, you'll always find something to worry about. There's always something pushing you and crowding you and saying, worry about this. You have four children, they'll take turns. They'll have you running around. You'll be just as bad as you want to be trying to make these people happy. And that's the truth. And you need to face the truth. The truth is you, you need to be honest and say, hey, you know, I'm, he's right. I'm living in a land of worry. You worry about being laid off. You worry about getting another job. You get another job. You worry about whether or not you're going to do good on the job. You worry, do they like me on the job? You worry about, you worry about, you worry about. You're constantly worried. You're constantly worried. You're worried about being alone. You're worried about people being in your house and bothering you. You worry about, it's almost like, well, how can God bless you if you constantly worry about everything? It's tied to the way you think. And it's when you arrest your thoughts and say, I'm not thinking that way. I'm not thinking this way. I'm not going to get up in the morning. This is my personal approach. You do what you want. It's up to you. But I, I talk to Ricky and God first before I watch the news or somebody and let them tell me what to worry about. I check the news. I'm a big news guy, okay? Don't misunderstand me. But the truth is I, I have to control my own thinking. That's my problem right up here. Right up here. I've watched myself think myself in a hole. I can be preaching a sermon. And, and it's so funny when you're preaching, right? And the people are looking at you and you start wondering, did I do good? Right in the middle of the sermon, while you're talking, you have two conversations going on. One is you're preaching and that's when says, am I doing good? Did they sleep? Oh boy. Oh, oh, they really sleep. Oh, they knocked out. I hear them snoring over there. And you start worrying about, well, I'm not doing good. I need, I need to go crack and say something else or maybe I should just start all over again. And you start worrying and you're fine. Let them sleep. Maybe they're tired. Maybe you're talking too long. I don't know. <laughs> the point is, stop worrying about everything. Do my kids like me? Does my husband like me? Do I like myself? Your mind's all over the place. I love what the Bible says. Don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Don't allow your mind to be gone here and there and everywhere. But be ye transformed, Romans 12 and 2 says, by the renewing of your mind. You got to change your thinking habits. Now I want to tell you something. Until you're honest, until you're willing to be truthful, nothing I said will matter. Being honest takes courage. It's important for you to hear what I said during this series. Tell yourself the truth. Don't lie to yourself, not one more day. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message today. And may they say, he's right. Jesus was right. All those seven things in that list fit me. I worry about tomorrow, I worry about my clothes, I worry about everything and I don't need to be. I need to give that to God. I need to be responsible and deal with each one, but I don't need to worry about them. I don't need to be depressed. I don't need to go around feeling hopeless. I don't need to allow myself to fall into this trap. And Father, I pray that people would open their hearts today and be free from that bondage. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I've enjoyed being with you during this series. I pray you were blessed by it. And I pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to help you, allow God to help you today. Be more honest with yourself. Be girded about with truth, he says. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And truth will help you get there. Tell yourself the truth. Even if you can't tell it to other people, get a piece of paper. Sit down with yourself and say, the truth about my life is, the truth about my transparency is, the truth about my strength is, the truth about my mind is, it is all over the place. Now, I want to thank you for being with me again. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. And I want to, I want to say two things. One is I want to pray. 
And then I'm going to tell you about what's coming up next, next time we talk. Um, Father, touch those today who've heard this message and who don't know you as Savior. May this be the moment they say, the truth is I need to start a walk with God. May this be that starting place for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's the truth. Well, I hope I helped you today. Think a little bit differently. It is about facing those things that can distract you. Focusing your life on what you need to eat and what you need to wear, where you need to go. And somehow your mind gets so wrapped up around all those things, what's coming tomorrow, that you forget about today. The Bible says real plainly that you need to make sure you're strong in the Lord. And part of that strength is learning how to think. Put on the helmet of salvation. Allow the Lord to help you not fall into the trap of depression. It's such an easy thing to fall into. All of us fight it. Believe it or not, it's one of the preacher's greatest diseases because preachers sometimes they get, go so high and preach so much and then all of a sudden they go down, down, down. Once the sermon is over and all the crowd leaves and they're left with themselves, sometimes they don't know how to deal with that. Depression can fall on a mother, a father, all the people we talked about in the sermon today. And I want you to understand that it can fall on you, but I wanna pray for you today. That this would be a moment when you say, I'm gonna get my mind right. Let God help me with my thinking. Let's pray. Father, I pray this would be a moment of deliverance for those who've been fighting depression, those who've been fighting their thoughts. May this be a sermon that helps lift their hearts and minds to a new place. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Rick. I've enjoyed being with you. If this sermon blessed you, link it and send it to a friend. And I'll see you next time right here with me on demand. Hey, that's the place you go to get the word of God when you want it in your hand. Be blessed. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.